With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak, your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dad's want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. What is happening, y'all? Welcome to On the Corner. My name is Christopher Weber, known around the internet as Schwebzy of the Pitcherless Podcast Network podcast in the deep. And I am joined by the adjective Nick Pollock. What is happening? I am the adjective. I'm just such a descriptor for everything. Every noun. You can apply me before it. No, we're doing our draft, uh, our mock draft series for 2023. I'm very excited to be talking to the one and only Chris Weber. You know his silky smooth voice, and we're going to talk about his team in this draft. I'm also fresh from First Pitch, Arizona, where we missed you. We missed you, Schwebs. Hopefully, you can be there next year. Hope so. Yeah, it, it was a wonderful time. So many great people. You'll be hearing a lot of them on future episodes of the Nick Pollock uh, and Friends podcast. But we're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about Chris Weber's team. If you're unfamiliar, go check out the draft board below. Um, we're putting out an article as well, going through round by round, written by Dave Swan. Uh, I can't wait for that to come out. But the, just as a reminder, 12 teams, Yahoo formatting. That means Otani is two different players. You have two utility spots, three outfielders, no corner infield, no middle infielder. You have nine pitching slots, 23 rounds, very shallow, just a normal 12-team redraft. Keep that in mind, and we do this. We drafted this around, I guess, the end middle of October or so, something like that. Uh, and we had no idea. There's no like ADP to help us out. We were just going with our guts here. And Chris Weber, as you know, is on the, in the deep podcast. Go give him a follow at Twitter at Schwebzy. Had the number one pick. You didn't want this pick, did you? I was the last person to select their pick. So I got <laughs> number one overall by default. And I, uh, I am not having a good time with the number one pick no. at the moment or because TGFBI last year, I was excited to get the number one overall pick. Oh, no. And I took Fernando Tatis no, Jr. did it. No, no. Yeah. So you didn't do that this year. I mean, I've, I've no, really no, no. Um, now, I will say at the end of the day, did you like having the number one pick? No, I hate it, especially in a pitcher list mock draft because everyone well well most of us i don't want to include myself here are so very smart 
and knowledgeable about pitching. You should that include you you take a pick and then 25 pitchers get off the board, uh, you know, 23, 23 more players go off the board and, you know, six of them were like the next six pitchers on your list. And that's every single time. So it's it's rough drafting with you guys. Yeah, normally uh, the rule I have for the turn is you get one guy who's a discount and one guy who's a reach. I mean, that's just kind of how you need to think about it. So, look, this is some guy I need to get, and this is some guy I can't let fall anymore. That's a very loose thing, but it's it's really a get-your-guys position because uh, you have so many in between. You cannot play the room nearly like having the six or seven. Um, saying, cool, all right, I get 10 more picks before my next one. I can hope that one of these three guys will be there. This is very much of like, nope, I need to have a plan. I need to know what I want to do. I got to get the players I want and move on. And so you took Jose Ramirez with your first pick. Did you have a certain plan going into this that you're going to go heavy on hitters uh, or attacking certain positions? So right before this draft, we had actually had a discussion in one of the PitcherList Discord server help channels. It was me, Steve, Jaswili, and... uh, Oh God, I forget who else was talking about it. I think it was some community members, but we were talking about the number one overall pick. And I said that for me, it was going to come down to either J-Ram and Trey Turner. And here I went Jose Ramirez. And that's mainly because of safety, stability, lack of questions. With Jose Ramirez, I have zero questions whatsoever. Mm. I don't care like what Major League Baseball does to the ball. I don't care like what you know like what happens to that division i know jose ramirez is going to put up his numbers no matter what whereas trey turner i think his power is dictated a little bit by the league environment and the ball and what team he winds up with because he's a free agent we don't know where he's going to go so for me jose ramirez is by far the safest player on the board for that number one spot now, Scott Chu did put Trey Turner first and uh, Jose Ramirez second in his top 200 uh, hitters for 2023. It's incredibly close. There's a lot of things you can say about the necessity of stolen bases next year if the top guys uh, are going to keep their stolen base totals while the middle guys are going to get more. So in the necessity of getting stolen bases at the top, not as huge, arguably. I don't know who my 1-1 one one is. Uh, it might be Trey Turner. It might not. I, I will say third base is not the easiest position to fill. You did it right away. Uh, do you feel good having Jose Ramirez? Did you feel like it opened yourself up for different picks down the road? One of the difficulties with the Yahoo format is that when you take a player, that's it for that position, except for like utility and bench spots. Sure. So any position other than outfield that you take you're pretty much ruling out that position for the rest of the draft so you do have to take things like positional eligibility into consideration more in a league like this i think and you'll actually see that in in my early draft but if you'll allow me to go on a little bit of a tangent here you mentioned stolen bases at the top of the draft being a concern uh you actually retweeted something that i posted a little while ago about the league environment right now more players are stealing bases lately. Right. I talked about uh, on the on the most recent episode of In the Deep, I kind of looked at league-wide stolen bases. And uh, if you give me like two seconds, I'm, I'm pulling this up as we speak. So in 2022, 
10 more players stole double digits compared to 2021. 84 versus 75. Nine more, sorry. And How dare you? How dare you, <laughs> And from 2021 to 2022, 13 more players stole 15 bases. So more players are stealing those like 10 to 15 stolen bases, and it's easier to find that later in the draft. So I don't think those early stolen bases are as important as they have been in previous years. The The league-wide trend is stolen bases going up, and I expect that to go up a little bit more with the rule changes, which doesn't scare me off of players like Acuna Jr. or Trey Turner, but it does sure. make them a little less of a priority for me. Right. No, I, I, I think I that's my sentiment is that uh, I'm not necessarily going to go after those stolen bases because it's more accessible later on. But then again, Jose Ramirez, uh, just a quick recap from last year, 29 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 90 runs, 126 RBI, 280 average across 685 plate appearances. He's gotten those playing appearances consistently through the last three seasons. He's a rock in your lineup. There may be some hot and cold stretches you have to endure. Don't worry. He will always get them back. Let's move on to your next pick. And it's a second, third round turn. Only two starting pitchers had gone. uh, Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole. Were you thinking this might be a time for you to get one of those starters? Or were you just saying, you know what? Jose Altuve and Francisco Lindor are just too good. I can't turn them down. Nick, I was furious. I It was <laughs> the, it, the first round finished. The first you know nine rounds of the second round had finished. I'm sitting there with two picks before me and Garrett Cole and Corbin Burns still on the board. And I'm like, am I going to get pocket aces out of the one spot in the second and third round? Am I going to be able to do that? And then, of course, Dave Swan and Rick Graham took them with the next two picks. So I had to pivot. Now, maybe I'm erring too far into reliability and consistency and floor here because of me being gun shy about, you know, last year. But I I took Jose Altuve here because of both position scarcity. Second base is tough. And just because I I believe in him, he hasn't shown any real signs of decline. I find myself leaning towards players who don't strike out much, who put the bat on the ball. Maybe I'm just reacting to the league environment where strikeouts are trending up year after year. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to not necessarily zag, but like pick the players who are well-suited to succeed in that environment. Yeah. So, I mean, you'll notice, uh, you know, Jose Ramirez, great at putting the bat on the ball. Jose Altuve, same thing. And you're you're going to see that with, a lot of my picks, including, you know, my, the other pick at the turn, Francisco Lindor. And, uh, I, I will say the, the, the swing strike rate for Hellsley L2V just 7%, which is incredibly low. Uh, league average is about 12%. That's great to see that Lindor is also underneath at 11%, uh, 12% league average again. Both of these guys though, I mean, you have stolen bases a bit. Jose L2V started stealing a lot more 18 this past year, you have to think that that it was encouraged and will continue to be there a bit with the the, with the new rules. Same with Lindor, of course, getting his uh, 16 stolen bases this year, 26 home runs, 98 runs, 107 RBI as well. Great to see also the average come back. It was a 230 in 2021, 258 in 2020, 270 for Lindor this season. The one thing I really like about this is that you're getting the infield. I often say that these are things to fill in season are the outfield. There are always guys coming up, moving around. It's just there are more options for. There are three different positions 
uh, and you just need to find one of them as opposed to one singular infield spot. So you getting uh, Jose Ramirez, Altuve, Lindor, pretty solid. You're going to have to think about maybe first base as the other one that is a question mark. Did you also consider um, that second base? I mean, I was really upset to see Altuve. I was kind of hoping to get in the middle of the third. That second base to me is the shallowest of the positions. Third base probably second after that top tier of Machado, Devers, Riley, Arenado, and of course, Jose Ramirez. There might be another one that I'm forgetting in there. And then first base has this uh, cliff after Matt Olson, where it goes down to Nathaniel Lowe and Abreu and Crone, etc. And that's around the ninth round or so. Lowe, we talked about with Scott Chu, sixth round. Did you have some sort of strategy about this? Because I will say shortstop is a little deeper than those other ones. Shortstop is very deep. And that's in retrospect where I, th- I think I could have altered this strategy. I think I could have taken a pitcher instead of Lindor here and my draft would have gone in a much uh, smoother sure. fashion. Mm-hmm. I, I think I would have been much less stressed about pitching later in the draft. And, you know, I, I if I had waited to get like the eighth or ninth shortstop off the board, I would not have been upset because right. like if you if you look like at at the draft board, like Carlos Correa went in the 11th round. You can wait on shortstop and still get a very good shortstop. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get that again. I, I've i said another uh, podcast already. I really like what people did. Um, he got Correa in the 11th round. Um, but I'm even looking at Francisco Lindor versus Yu Darvish. So Colin Burns are gone. Who would you have gone instead of Lindor if you went and got a starter? Come on. I, I, I think name. I might. I, I know you want me to say Shane McClanahan, don't you? No, I don't. I don't. No, I don't. No, who I, is I it? probably I, I think I think my number three is Sandy Alcantara. Yes, there you go. That's the right name. Oh, Correct okay. name. OK, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he's number three on my list. Um, I think it's just the safest of the crew. And this is actually a conversation I had a lot in first pitch, Arizona. Talk to Ariel Cohen. Very smart about this. He for a living does risk mitigation or just under analyzing risk for insurance. Right. And it's a really good point to make especially if you're spending on a pitcher early in a draft. Look at the other guys in this tier. You have Shane McClanahan, Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer going. You have Zach Wheeler in here and Justin Verlander and Dylan Cease. All of those are super risky in my view. Uh, McClanahan with the injury stuff, uh, DeGrom, injury stuff. Max Scherzer, injury stuff. He's getting older. Verlander is going to regress. Zach Wheeler is dealing. Is he hurt? Is he not? He had a couple of different things this year. And Dylan Cease, you guys know that I'm not excited about. Sandy Alcantara is the safest and it's not about, I I think there's this idea that you need to get, you know, your value in every pick. It's not true. It's about in a draft, figuring out where are you going to get more bang for your buck? It's rarely in the first three rounds. If you try to make it so that you win your draft in the first three rounds or win your league in that, it's not going to work out for you. Instead, Give yourself that foundation of knowing you have this. Get your Max Freeds that are just so safe. Aaron Nola is so safe. Alec Manoa is safe. Get the things that we like know that you're going to be banking on for the entire year. And then that means that that pickup that you do make in April can build on top of it. And that's where you get your value, right? You get your value in the 18th round or maybe the 12th round or whatever. A lot easier to do that than saying, oh, no, but uh, if I'd only gone to Grom, I am going to I'm going to lose my league if I don't get the ground. Not not true at all. So Sandy Alcantara is my right. guy. I do want to give a little bit of pushback here on no calling Jacob Degrom not safe. What? Because I 
I don't think there is a safer pitcher in baseball for 2023 because he is going. I, look, I'm a Mets fan. I have a very uh, like fatalistic viewpoint on former but Mets. Wait, wait a and, second. And their success. I no. Hear me out. Jacob Degrom is going to sign with Atlanta, and he is going to start 36 games, strike out <laughs> roughly 500 pitcher uh, batters. Okay, with like okay. a, a zero and change I, ERA, I it's going to, to happen. I hear you out fully. That's on me. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you feel that if you feel that Degrom is going to go more than 150 innings this year, he should be in the first round. Just to let you know if you're listening. Um, well, then again, he shouldn't because you don't need, even if you think that's what's going to happen, you don't need to get him there. But we're going to move on. Uh, fourth and fifth, you still don't go for a starting pitcher, right? You have all these talented arms go. Were you hoping for one of them to fall back to you? You know, not, like this is one of those things where like hindsight is twenty twenty. Now I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, why did I not just go like Nola here or or Castillo here? Thank you so much for letting me get Nola. I appreciate you so much. I thought you were <laughs> going to steal Nola from me then. That was a did. that was a favor. That was a favor. Yeah, that wasn't really. me messing up. <laughs> so I took Class A partially. Be- I, I'm shocked at how long closers lasted in this draft. I, I think that's just a function of it being a mock draft. Yeah. I think if this was a competitive draft, that closers would have gone off the board earlier. So I behaved as such. Like I, So I took uh, Class A. What first pick of the fifth round is, is pick 49. You won't get that. There's, you, you won't get there that are in, so, in March. Yeah. There's going to be you know half a dozen closers going in the first 60 picks of drafts. Well, right. Maybe not half a dozen, but like three or four. Like so, I I took Class A because that's I, I, that's a move I might have made in a normal draft, and uh, yeah, in this particular mock, that wound up being a mistake because I it, you know I wound up with my first starting pitcher in the sixth round, which I don't love. Uh, Real Muto, five category catcher, literally the only one. You know, even even Varsho with his catcher eligibility kind of hurts your batting average. Yeah, pretty uh, insane that JT Romuto had 21 stolen bases last year. He went 20 20, 22 home runs, 75 runs, 84 RBI, 276 average from your catcher spot is insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that kind of leads back to what I was talking about earlier with the the increase in 10 and 15 stolen base guys. I the the rule changes around the margins. The, the things that give you a, like a few extra inches, a, 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 you know, an extra half a second when you're stealing bases or whatever, that helps the mid-tier guys more than it helps the top end guys. Right. You know, it's not going to get someone from 50 to 70 stolen bases. It's going to get you guys from like 12 to 15 and 10 to 12. Yep. Uh, and I mean, we, but one of my next picks, like George Springer stole his career high in bases. He's terrible at stealing bases in the past. I think we're going to see a lot of these mid-range stolen base threats like up there projected totals by uh, you know a couple or a few all right so we're going to talk now about your sixth and seventh pick where you do get your first pitcher but before we do we're going to take a quick break so sixth round it's you darvish is your is your pitcher six you got darvish you got springer on my list he is the highest one left going to first pitch arizona made me really think about a lot of uh small adjustments i'm going to tell you right now there is one pitcher that I'm now going to be putting above you, Darvish, for next year. That this pitcher went in the eighth round. Um, can you guess who that is? Is it Javier? Yeah, it's Javier. Yeah, I have to do. It. I Javier's mean, it's funny because awesome. I because I've been saying that he is Spencer Strider. Then what am I doing if I put Spencer Strider in the fifteen at uh, fifteen and then Javier at twenty four or so? 
What? No, I got to do that. Um, talk to me why you went New Darvish, though. Floor. You know, I, I have a I have a feel like waiting this long on a pitcher, getting your first pitcher in the sixth. I feel like that means I need effectively a guarantee. Mm-hmm. And, of you know, obviously, there's still question marks. There's, you know, if, if there weren't any question marks, he'd go higher. Uh, and there's always age related concerns as the pitchers age up. But I feel like I know roughly what I'm going to get with you, Darvish. Like he's a little bit more cherry bombish than you would want from uh from your your ace, but you know we we know we know that Darvish is awesome. I, I know I'm going to get a bunch of strikeouts. I know he's going to work pretty deep into games. I you know I what he's dope and I should feel dope. Is is that a, <laughs> is that what we like to say well, about Darvish? Yes, but yes, no, maybe I don't know. Uh, he's hyper reliant on the cutter. Uh, it's become the thing over the past three years for him. Uh, 43% usage in 2020, 36% now. It's what he does. And in 2021, that pitch had an 18% homer fly ball rate. This year, it was only 11% as he brought his homers from 11 to 7 on it. And I feel like that is everything with Darvish's cutter. Uh, with the, with really, his entire success is just, hey, is he allowing home runs? Yes or no. I have some worries about the four-seamer. Um, I don't think it's going to allow a 159 batting average again with its 28% hard contact rate. That just feels a little weird to me. He also doesn't do a good job of elevating that pitch. I mean, just a 37% high lock for a uh, four-seamer is really bad. Christian Javier's is just so good. It's about like a 65%. The league average for high location on four-seamers is 51. And the YM lock, that is middle of the zone, or heart rate, it's pretty high. 9% on Darvish's past year. It just feels a lot like he doesn't know where it's going. And for a pitcher throwing 25% of the time, that's a little odd. Uh, the swing strike rate fell dramatically. 19% to 15% to 10.4% uh, swing strike rate on four seamers for Darvish. I think it worked out this year. Only about a 200 BABIP on the on the four seamer, which is crazy to see. Um, I... I feel it's not as safe as you want. The whip is safe, though. He hasn't had a whip worse than 110 since 2018. And that's really cool. Uh, you're also still going to get strikeouts from you, Darvish, as long as he's healthy. Um, this past year, 197 before the 199. He's going to flirt with that 200 mark. So and that's the good news about Darvish. Is the ERA going to be wonderful? I don't know. Um, but the fact that he was able to go 30 more innings... Uh, about or 25 more innings in the same amount of starts this year, double the wins. Uh, I can thank that home run rate coming down. I hope it stays down. I'm a little scared of it. Um, but yeah, he's in my top 20. I keep going back and forth on Darvish because it is really nice. You get the strikeouts, you get the whip. You're you're good contention for wins. The Padres are good. That ERA might be like a 3-6-3-7 at the end of the day, though. Um, it's so home run dependent. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, at this point, it makes all the sense, especially as the SP1, you needed volume and win chance at this point. And you got that. So good job. Oh, by the way, retroactively, manual class A, that's supposed to be a silver approval. Because you're not going to get it. Seal, you got a silver approval. approval? You're that. Yeah, hey. you're, you are shocked. I know. But I mean, class A in the fifth round, I barely touched him, but he was the best start uh, reliever. And we all knew he would be kind of the best. Like we look at his stuff like, oh, yeah, he's amazing. Is he just going to get the opportunities? He did. Yeah, that's. He's the stud. Uh, so good That's stuff. my first ever seal of approval for anything. Thank you. You've done these before. This is not the first time you've been on. You did the mock draft last year, right? Yes, you must have. 
Were you yeah, not on it yeah. last year? Yeah. Okay. Actually, one of the, one of the reasons I took Lindor in the third was because I took him last year, a couple of rounds later, and I just wanted to take a victory lap because everything I said happened. Wow. Okay, I noted. <laughs> so, guys, the whole integrity of this mock draft ruined. Because it's the only reason I did this. That's the only reason I even did the mock draft this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Just to take right. victory laps for the last one. <laughs> um, George Springer is in the seventh round uh, after after Darvish. You didn't have an outfielder yet. Uh, and no. were you thinking, oh, no, I need to get somebody. George Springer, of course, the question is health as the amount of games. Well, 133 this year, 78 in 2021, 122 in 2019. He did play for most of 2020, but it was such a shorter season. Uh, on a per game basis, George Springer is still really good. 260 average, uh, two, uh, 267, um, 25 home runs, 14 stolen bases. You mentioned nearly 600 play appearances. It did feel like he came through a bit this year if you did draft George Springer despite just 133 games. Are you banking on health here? Uh, you, you can't ever bank on health from George Springer. Uh, one of the things about these Yahoo leagues is you know the 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 pools uh when you when you're only doing three outfielders you know the the depth of free agent outfielders on Yahoo is really good like because there's more than 30 good outfielders right there's exactly. there's but there aren't necessarily technically get drafted you have two util spots generally one of them right, will right. be a, an outfielder at least still top you know so there are yeah, there are so many to go for, which is why I generally do wait on outfield. Right. So the the positions that I'm comfortable being weak in a Yahoo league are tend to be like outfield, shortstop, where I know there's more than, you know, 12 to 15, you know, sure. 120% of the starting spots, good options, whatever. Yeah. So I, I waited a little bit on outfield and I'm absolutely fine with George Springer being my first outfielder. When he's in there, he's going to put up the numbers. Will he be in there? That's the question. But uh, I, I do feel comfortable in a Yahoo League being able to pivot and making up for those lost plate appearances with someone else. Was there someone else as far as outfield that you were looking at to uh, to fill this spot? Not really. So the the next few the next few outfielders off the board here were really interesting to me. There, there's Marte, who's very speed oriented and his speed took a hit this year. So I'm not touching Marte this year in spite what? of my being a massive homer. How, how dare you suggest such a thing? And uh, then I there's mean, who Buxton. Would ever ta- who would ever take Starling Marte in a mock draft? Oh, oh, was that you? I'm so- I didn't even realize that was you. I'm sorry. Well, you got also not he sorry. did it in 120 games. So mm-hmm. I- I'm seeing a, a 2020 guy with a 300 average. There, there's um, arguments both ways. Because he's a physical specimen. So, you know, maybe he's one of those Kenny Lofton types that maintains his speed production well into his, you know, late 30s. But sure. uh, I, I'm pretty risk averse. So I, I, I'm not banking on his speed lasting when we saw it took a little dip this year. Okay. It's not just about pure volume. Like he, he saw an efficiency drop. Like he got caught stealing a lot this year. Fair enough. Yeah, he got caught stealing nine times. It was just a 67% success rate, 18 swipes and nine Caught stealing. He only had five caught last year in 2021, did Marte. Uh, Starling Marte with 47 total. Maybe that improves, though, with the uh, the different bases and, of course, the Maybe. fewer takeoffs. But that's a good point. The, the Mets, the Mets are also not... returns uh, slower speed, yes. And the Mets are not a historically, like, recent history uh, aggressive team on the base paths. Mm. Lidor hasn't stolen much since he went over there either. Sure. 
So, um, all that's, right, so you, you know, you that all feeds him. into it. You don't want to go after Buxton because it's Buxton. I, I love Buxton, but man, at, at some point, at some point, I've I'm, I've gotten scared off. We've had uh, it was this, this year for three years. I, I love Buxton. I actually uh, in my long-standing keeper league, uh, I traded him. I traded him away this year. I've had him for years. And uh, then there's Varsho, who I like, and Corbin Carroll. I uh, you God, I you you won't catch me drafting someone like Corbin Carroll this early. Although Adam Howe recently explained to me that like Corbin Carroll is basically this year's Bobby Witt, and that kind I kind of get it now. I kind of get it, but it's still I'm not going to be doing that. Sure. All right. Well, let's go to so, your next round. Um, then, so it really seemed like, yeah, George Springer seemed like the clear option for you then. Yeah. 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 Um, next round you doubled up on starters. This is the fun stuff. You have three starters in, uh, in four rounds, six through nine. I encourage this a lot. These guys, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Um, Kyle Wright and Robbie Ray. Uh, so now you have a Darvish Wright and Ray rotation. How do you feel about them? I, I wound up with a lot of guys on my team who, uh, and this is talking about Wright specifically, not Ray, who overperformed their peripherals this year. Mm-hmm. And But when I picked these guys, I, I looked at guys who, if they met their peripherals, would still be good where they are. So I, I like Wright. It's a lo- it should be a lot of innings for a very good team. For I, I mean, his, his slider slurve thing is just so good. It yeah, carries it like it carries the rest of the package. Uh, I just I don't think I see a big decline from him. I don't expect him to be as good, but I I think he could. You know, he went from 150 innings in 2021 to 180 in 2022. Uh, he won a million games, which is you know I don't consider in my evaluation, but it is part of the fantasy package. The first the the highest. Uh, amount of wins. Sorry, I'm just amazed. It's first. I found a first in wins. It's Kyle Wright, 21 wins on our player pages. Yeah. It's nice to see the first there finally for wins. <laughs> I didn't know who it was. It's Kyle Wright, 21. Not going to be repeated. Yeah, no, just because no one wins 20 games anymore, and it's it's no. you know an, an outlier that he even did. So I mean, I he should be plenty good to go to make another 30 starts in 2023. So I I'm very I, I'm hoping he can be an anchor for for this staff uh, along with darvish now uh what is the number one thing i like about sinkers do you know this chris the the, the number one thing you like about them it's when pitchers like, get called strikes with them a lot well mm, yeah um <laughs> it's actually not <laughs> no 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 it's o swing if their o swing is above 30 percent um league average is 26 percent. how you should be throwing these are arm side uh, and where they start on the plate and then off of it uh, and then on and off of it. Uh, and 30.4% is pretty good. The average is about 26% on them. I mean, the elite is Wheeler at 51, but he's in a league of his own with like the next best the 37. So he needs that. He needs to get that 70% strike rate on the sinker. He's not a high CSW pitch, doesn't get whiffs, doesn't really get called strikes. Um, he needs to do that because this, the curveball is great and it carries everything. The biggest worry I have for right is when the curveball isn't there. And maybe it's just, it's always there and that's, who cares? Uh, I love going after guys that have two elite pitches and two elements on a given day that are just both great. And that gets me really excited about them or two that I think are definitely above average. It really, for right, it's just the curveball is elite. The sinker is fine. Uh, the four-seamer has moments when he pinpoints it up. And he gets that, I guess those whiffs. His high location on that is 70%. 
And remember, 51% is the league average for that. So he does it. He just doesn't get that many o- much O-swing on it. Only 22% O-swing. Only 11% swing striker, which is a little low uh, for that high of a four-seamer. And a lot of hard contact on a 34%. And that's really it with Kyle Wright. I mean, I don't want to bank on the changeup. 61% strike rate. It's okay. Um, had good results this year, but I don't really think it's that excellent of a pitch. So just banking on one uh, one pitch in an arsenal is really hard for me to do. Um, and I think the 116 whip we saw from Kyle Wright does get worse. So I find myself pushing down Kyle Wright a little bit more um, each time. At this, uh, I should note, he's going to be 27 for all of next year. He could add more things. You know, He lowered that walk rate. That was a big change. 14% walk rates in the small sample we saw before, all the way down to 7%. I, I don't know if I want to chase him. Um, I think I would prefer Robbie Ray, Tristan McKenzie, Framber Valdez, George Kirby, Lance Lynn, um, all of those that went uh, a little bit later than Kyle Wright. Um, so that's me on him. Uh, is there anything else that you're seeing with Kyle Wright? Uh, not really. Uh, I I mean, I, I have to. I, I feel like I'm obligated to to move Kyle Wright up my draft boards because of my my close personal friendship with uh the the number one member of the Kyle Wright fan club pitcher list uh staff member Joshua Sperry yes of course yes uh who retweeted everything I ever said about Kyle Wright which is the funniest thing ever uh I get that uh now Robbie Ray was your next one uh 189 innings 27 percent K rate but 371 ERA 119 whip and it kind of feels like this is a little bit of what Robbie Ray is he had struggles early on Move to add a sinker. Do you think that this is this is it, or that you're going to get better from Ray next year? Robbie Ray encompasses what it means to try to analyze fantasy baseball and baseball. Because <laughs> no matter no matter what I or we say about Robbie Ray uh, this offseason, something else will happen next year. Doesn't matter. Mm. Like oh, like Cy Young year next year. Oh, great, he's terrible, and then he breaks out a sinker and he's good again. Whatever. Robbie Ray is just going to do what Robbie Ray does, but I think the end product is going to wind up good like it is most years. And it, it's like how he gets there always changes, but he, I, I think he'll give me a mid three ZRA and a ton of strikeouts. Yeah. With, uh, a chan- with a chance for an awesome year. It's so funny. The sinker he introduced isn't actually a good pitch. His locations of it, I do like. It is very much arm side going inside to, uh, to lefties. Um, but it's when he makes mistakes on it. Oh boy. Uh, he had a Woba 406 on the pitch this season, which is just not what you want. A 35% homer to fly ball rate. And we certainly saw that against Jordan Alvarez. Um, so wait, you're, year. you're saying that he, he implemented a bad pitch and was good. Yeah. That's so Robbie. That's so yeah. Robbie Ray. Yeah, you can't predict it. It. yeah. He has a 40% O swing with that sinker against the lefties. Oddly enough, what I didn't expect here is that he isn't throwing it against the lefties. He's throwing it more against righties. It's 18% usage against the lefties, while 21% overall. This is so strange. I so is he it. trying to get chases away from righties with it? I think he's trying to make he's he's, he's trying to deceive or guys. I, oh man, he's trying to get it off the plane off the end of the bat. Against Andrews. Okay. I I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I still hate this. 432 Woba allowed against right handers um last year with that sinker. 
But the slider is still good. The uh, the four seamer still good. Um, gets in the zone fifty percent of the times. Gets a lot of strikes on that. And the slider uh, is still really good. So the best news here is that the guy's a workhorse. You know he he's had thirty two plus starts in every year except for twenty twenty where he made twelve games and eleven starts. Um. He's going to get out there and pitch for you and give you strikeouts, uh, over well over 200 strikeouts in each of those three years. I think it's worthwhile. I think the ERA should be better than 370. Honestly, I think he made that change and he became a better pitcher. Even though the sinker, I'm still weirded out by. Um, it worked, and you know as long as that velocity stays up, it's 93.4 last year. It wasn't there at the beginning of the year. Then he got it back. I, I think, look, you get Robbie Ray, you're not going to remove him from your team. There is a chance it falls off, but you will get your strikeouts. You This is like your, you know, why not? Why not? This is Dylan C's just later. So there you go. You know, you know what I've uh, like, uh, this is for you head to head players specifically. I, I've noticed in recent years, I don't care about my pitching staff nearly as much in head to head leagues. Mm. Like I'll make it work, whether it's matchups, streaming, whatever. Like yeah. I've had I've had a lot of success in like we we do pitcher list leagues like the I won the podcast league uh, I won the staff league I was in last year second place this year and, and a lot of it a lot of it is just you know playing matchups with pitchers I do I do a lot of streaming and uh, ma- making sure that uh, I'm only starting the guys in in the good matchups like you don't need a great staff to win that way so and it lets you, you it lets you spend on hitting is that you should just go after hitting in your drafts and then worry about pitching later. I, is that a, is that a strategy you agree with, Nick? I think so, Chris. <laughs> I think so. So what you're saying, my my success in the pitcherless staff league kind of exemplifies the 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 company company I'm motto. I'm so happy we have another champion. I uh, tenth round <laughs> is Christian Walker. It was you might go a little bit long on at this podcast. Tons of home runs this year. I actually remember having him in a league and just debating: do I keep holding on to him or not? And then he just kept hitting home runs. I'm like, fine. It's a bad average of 242, but 36 home runs, 84 runs, 94 RBI just happened. And okay. Oddly enough, it's such a low average, despite a sub 20% striker rate at uh, 19.6. Uh, lots of fly balls ish. Actually, no, I don't. I'm a little confused as to why the average was so bad uh, for Christian Walker. His X average, according to us, was 272. Uh, there might be something here. Uh, 40% ground ball rate, slightly more grounders than fly balls. His IPA percentage says ideal plate appearance was above average, 27%. Normally, it's around 25-26. A good amount of hard contact, good amount of barrels. What's going on here? It's it's hard to find a guy who hit 36 home runs and still pretty solidly underproduced their expected numbers. That's right. not something you see that often. Uh, I like Christian Walker because, I mean, well, first of all, the, the spot in the draft that I took him. So this was uh, at the end of the 10th round. And if you look at the pit, the the first baseman who got taken after him, it was like Ravi Tellez, Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. So I knew, I knew if, and like after that, there's Hoskins uh, before my next pick comes up. So I knew that if I didn't take a first baseman here, I was not going to get a good first baseman. Right. There's a cliff after like Walker and then one or two guys after him. Sure. So I made I, I needed to make sure I got a first baseman here. Walker's my favorite of the bunch because one of the things I mentioned in my whole spiel about stolen bases trending upwards league wide is that home runs are down significantly from 
2022 from sorry mm-hmm. from 21 to 22 and i don't expect them to bounce back because i don't think like historically when there's a big drop there's then a big leap mm-hmm. i don't think that's going to happen this time i don't think the league wants it to happen i don't think they're going to take any action to make the home runs come back so i'm putting a bit of a premium on these guys that can hit a bunch of home runs including christian walker so he was a, he was an important get for me here because otherwise I didn't know where I was going to get home runs out of that first first base spot. Yeah, I well, there's no hot chocolate that's going to be served to the home runs. Say, come on back. We got a little refreshments for you. No, <laughs> no not, not going to work this time around. Uh, I, I will say also the Arizona Diamondbacks seemingly are going to be getting better offensively overall. Corbin Carroll, you team. have, uh, we expect a signing or two. I know there's another guy that I'm forgetting. Is it Thompson? Is that right? Um, there's a, there's some, it, man, why don't I have know this off the top of my head? I should, but the Diamondbacks are getting better as a team. And that will include Christian Walker in the middle of that lineup. Uh, you have Varsho, you have uh, McCarthy. That's what I was thinking of, of course. Yes. Um, going as well. He, he does. He also does a lot of the things that keep you on the field. Strong plate discipline. You mentioned the strong mm. strikeout rate, strong walk rate. 99th percentile outs above average. That's the kind of thing that keeps you on a field when you're a more questionable bat. And not that Christian Walker is, but I just see no threat to his playing time. Is uh, Yeah, that I'm makes a lot at. of sense. I'm looking at the other guys here. There's Abreu and Crone that went the round before. Uh, you like those first baseman better, I assume. No. No, no you prefer uh, Christian Walker to Abreu and CJ Crone. Crone is good exactly half the time. He's very good half the time. But you don't want to start him on the road. You just don't. And while that's workable in a daily league, uh, I don't want to deal with it. I want a first baseman I can set and forget. I, sure. Ideally, I'm setting and forgetting my whole offense. And Crone uh, doesn't fit in there. And what about Nathaniel Jose Abreu? Yeah, sorry. Forgot Abreu. Uh, Lowe I like. I, I, uh, I have gotten on Lowe's case a lot in the past because he can't hit fastballs. And that hasn't changed. But he hits every... <laughs> sorry. He, he oh, I remember he this. Hit, Right. He can't hit fast fastballs. And I talked a lot about this with Chu and some others in the draft. But he hits ever he hits slow fastballs and off speed and breaking pitches so well that it doesn't matter that he can't hit Velo. Right. My thinking was that the league is trending up in Velo. If he can't hit Velo, he's gonna be bad. I was wrong. He hits everything else really, really well. Right. And so I, I like break, low Right. Uh, Abre is getting old and we saw a big power drop there. I'm not banking on him this year. So uh, what I'm my takeaway from this is after Goldschmidt, Freeman, Guerrero Jr., Alonso, and Olsen, you probably would put Walker as the number six. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh man, so tenth you, round is you, makes him a very nice discount there. You you know who I like a lot, and I think it's really just his ballpark that's holding him back from being like right next to Walker, Mountcastle. Mm. Mountcastle is really good, and that that new ballpark alteration is killing him. Oh, that's unfortunate. We're going to move on. 11th round is Tony Gonsolin. I am not a fan of Tony Gonsolin entering this year. Wait, you don't you don't like a splitter dominant pitcher, Nick? I don't. 214 ERA, 0.87 whip is just 5.5 hit per nine. These things are not going to stick around, guys. Not even close. But maybe if you can play the game of, oh, but, you know, it's he's going to regress, but still going to be good. It doesn't work like that. 207 Babbitt. 84% left on base rate. I hate just quoting the hotel and calling it a day as the Holy Trinity equating luck. But this is what I saw all year. 
and I would not say that his fastball is above average. I wouldn't say that his uh, four sorry his splitter is elite. I would not say his slider is elite. It kind of blows my mind. I mean, the splitter was very successful, 113, 113 batting average allowed, and it has done that for a while. But that's when it does uh, end at bats. He got more strikes out of it all of a sudden this year. Um, its O swing went up to 43% as opposed to 26 um, in the past as he got it down more often, uh, 71% low location as opposed to uh, the 60% we've seen before. The slider to me was just inconsistent. Uh, it did not get nearly as many strikes as it did in 2020, which was around a 70% rate. This was just about a 60%, 59. I, I just think that this is way too susceptible to being a disaster pick. But if he's still in L.A. and they have that defense, it could come through. Uh, what do you see in Tony Gonsolin? So at some point, if a guy is good every single year, I'm willing to take a chance on him. I, I see all the things you see. He was lucky. But also, the dude's got a 2.5 career ERA. Yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, he's not. I, I don't think he's spectacular. I think he's in a fantastic situation with a fantastic coaching staff, and I—I I mean, if he puts up a—if he puts up an ERA like a run higher next year, as we should probably expect, fine, whatever. If he puts up an ERA a run and a half higher, I'm a little more, you know, unhappy with this pick. But if he did that, it would be like a half a run higher than his career worst ERA so far. Now, the thing that's most concerning to me with Gonsolin is that his 130 innings this year were his career high. Mm. So, uh, you know, will, will he throw 30 starts? I don't know. Was his forearm injury from this past September more of a maintenance thing or is he, does he, is he actually having issues? These are, these are the more uh, pressing questions for, for me right now. Yeah. There, there's that, there's that concern. There's the sign of regression. I think, I, I don't think that starting Gonsolin's going to hurt. I don't think you're going to be just banging your head against the wall, being like, oh my gosh, Gonsolin is just destroying my team. I don't expect that. I see John Gray and Jesus Lazardo go right after Joe Ryan in this round. I think those are pitchers that have more um, tangible ways to grow and be better um, in 2023. Gray, I, I, Gray is one guy who I, I could have pivoted to. I and love John happy, Gray. Yeah. I think it's such a good fastball and a slider. And uh, I think that I feel like the Rangers are only going to get better. Um, Jesus Cesardo is someone that I'm very much in on as well. Joe Ryan, if as long as his slider improves just a little bit, you can see a huge amount of growth there too. So I'm not going to be leaning on Tony Gonsolin. I was out on him earlier this season. I was very wrong about it, obviously. And I'm sticking to my guns here. Uh, I didn't see the changes with that slider to become more dependable instead of the splitter, which meant that the volatility is still kind of there given what he throws. Uh, so I'm not a fan. Do, do you feel like we're seeing more splitter dominant pitchers than we have in the, in like the past? Not really. I mean, it's, it's Gosman, Montas, Gonsolin. I'm trying to think of others, but that's really about it. Right. I mean, I Shohei to an extent. Um, no, nah, he's more, I mean a little bit. Yeah. But that's more of a slider. His slider is the reason I, show he did amazing things. I, I'm not I'm not the pitching encyclopedia you are. I know there are more people out there yeah. that I'm just not thinking of. I'm absolutely not that. Um, 
I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm sure someone's shouting one at me now. Um, but it's not so. Oh, Alex Cobb is another. But Cobb, we saw thing, how yeah. that went. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think it's the right way to go away from it. It should be one of those like 10% offerings. Um, it should be just like, all right, I need to mess them up with something quickly. Great. It should the, the, not your your ideal pitcher. Right. My ideal pitcher has a 10% spoiler they whip out. It's just like, what? That's not cool. You know, it should not be something that you need to get the strike with. Um, because then that becomes way too volatile. Um, 12th and 13th rounds. Uh, you go back to outfield and you go say a Suzuki who had a lot of hype early on. Then it kind of slowed down. What's going on here? I love Seiya Suzuki for this year. I, I like to think of this as a high upside, high floor pick. Okay. I think he's going to be good basically no matter what with the chance uh, and a decent chance of being a monster 30 home run, 10 plus steal kind of guy. Oh, wow. Some interesting things about his. Yeah, I know. So interesting things about his 22. Like he had positive. So whenever, whenever a pitcher, an international player comes over, we, we hear, oh, they're going to struggle with the velo or they're going to struggle with the particularly nasty breaking pitches, whatever. Huh? Suzuki had positive run values against four seamers, sliders, sinkers, cutters, changeups. <laughs> the only pitch, the only pitches he had negative run values against were the cutter and the splitter, but he only saw like 16 splitters. So who cares? Right. He didn't, he didn't do well against sliders, but no one does. He was good. Like, you know, compared to the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. But point is he didn't have a pronounced weakness. A weird thing is that he struck out a lot. That is not weird like in and of itself, but it's weird because he struck out looking a lot. Oh, interesting. So that the league average for percentage of a batter's strikeouts that we're looking is 22.5%. Okay. Like r- roughly a quarter of league yeah. strikeouts are looking. Meaning the average uh so Suzuki struck out 35.5% Oh, of wow. the time looking that's, versus yeah, swinging so much yeah it's a big difference he was actually he had the 27th most looking strikeouts in all of baseball and he was 112th in strikeouts overall it was a mm. big difference this feels like an approach issue issue which he which can hopefully be fixed and if he can fix that i have really high hopes for 2023 and even if he doesn't fix it i still think he can be a 20 to 25 home run guy with double digit stolen bases so the tools are there to be a monster. Yeah. The last time I really heard some talk about a guy being very patient and not swing at the play was Kevin Vigio. Um, 39% uh, it, it, swing also, rate for, uh, for uh, Suzuki this year and 48% is league average. Call strike rate in general, 23% for Suzuki, 16% is league average. But the swing strike rate, just 9% versus 12% in league average. So, yeah, that's that's what's going on here. Yeah, he's he's great at uh, taking balls. He doesn't swing at balls. He doesn't miss in the zone that much. So mm-hmm. I saw that and I'm like, why is his strikeout rate still high? And, it, you know, it, it makes sense. So, you know, the, the question now is, is that something he can change? And if he can get better at that, you know, he, he can be everything we hoped he would be. Right. Oh, that's very interesting. I wonder uh, I wonder what we'll see from Sei Suzuki if he does make that adjustment. Was there another player that you thought of that was a, a, too patient at the plate? Because it seemed like you did. Uh, well, the the other pitcher, the other player that comes to mind when I think of that was uh, Yoshi Satsugo, mm, because I was very big on Yoshi Satsugo coming into, I believe, last year. And because he had basically Trout-esque plate discipline, uh, except, 
you know, he's very clearly not nearly the hitter that Mike Trout is. And I was hoping he would get more aggressive. And he did eventually when he made a move to Pittsburgh and started hitting a bunch of tanks for Pittsburgh. Maybe this was this was late 2020 coming into 21. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he uh, he obviously did not fulfill the promise that I saw in his uh, potential, uh, you know, more aggressive approach. Right. Um, all right. So you also got uh, Jeffrey Springs in this one. And uh, Springs obviously had a fantastic season. 246 ERA, 107 whip, uh, 26% strike rate, strikeout rate, all in the top 32 of the league. Uh, are you expecting more of the same? I might be falling into another trap where he's he he's going to regress. And uh, if he regresses to his 2022 peripherals, he'll still be good. But if he regresses further, then we're, you know, getting iffier. But I kind of I kind of love him. The The issue I see with him and the thing that I'm worried about with him is that everything hinges on the changeup. Yeah, it absolutely. Like if, does. At, and there's also there's always the chance that his fastball gets beaten up so badly that his super elite changeup won't even matter. Right. You know, the the Trevor Richardson, the Trevor Richards effect, as I like to think of it. Patrick uh, Sandoval. Patrick Sandoval. Yeah. But uh, Springs doesn't really walk anybody, though. Yeah, he, he, he does doesn't. Look. Like he's a change up dominant pitcher who doesn't walk a ton of guys, which is which is cool. Uh, uh, you know, some of those guys are, are good. Like, you know, your Pablo Sandoval's. Uh, sorry, Pablo <laughs> Lopez. It's all right. He's Irish Panda for a reason. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a 50% O swing uh, for Springs this year. I feel like that has to get worse. It's very rare to see a 50% O swing on a pitch and that's sticking around. I uh, had just about a 70% strike rate, uh, 67%, uh, 70% on the changeup, 67 on the slider. The fastball, as you mentioned, though, does get crushed. Uh, 36% hard contact this past year. It makes you wonder if that's going to be more of a detriment to him, but he does really good pitch separation. Springs goes up mm-hmm. with a four-seamer. Changeup is arm sided down. Slider is arm sided down. Or, or sorry, a glove side and down. Are the Rays going to let him go? Just 135 innings this year. They actually tamped his innings later in the season. They slowed him down. Uh, but the innings for start were about four this year for for Springs. That does include, of course, before he became a starter. Closer to about five to six, more around the five range uh, through the year. Some six game six inning starts. I hope that we're going to see six innings from Springs. But it does cap ultimately his ceiling. And we normally don't see those change-up slider guys anymore. Carrasco used to be one of them. Uh, but it's not really a major thing among the the top echelon of starters uh, to have not a good fastball and a good change-up slider. Uh, Springs would be, you know, uh, I guess kind of new in that way. He also doesn't get the AL East as much anymore because of the new schedule. And that's a benefit as well. Springs could be a major discount. We could all just be like, yeah, he's really good. And why is he going so late? I'm looking at the other guys also around here. Frankie Montes, obviously, he has question marks. Jack Flaherty has question marks. Dustin May does. Lucas Giolito. It kind of feels like you got a clear winner of this group. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> just uh, to 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 kind of go back to to a discussion we've had in the past a lot. Do you know uh, Jeffrey Springs finished 46th on Rasball's Player Raider this year? Yeah, it doesn't. Do you know who finished? For, do you know who finished 45th? 45th? I uh, no, I do not. Fellow Tampa Bay Ray, Drew Rasmussen. Yeah, Rasmussen. Yeah, another another love of mine. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, Springs in the 13th might be something I'm doing. I, I really hate the whole 
uh, I, I hate what he did this summer. And it makes me so conflicted about drafting him and in any way rooting for the guy. But he's yeah. really good. That changeup is really, really good. And I think we might be undervaluing him a little bit at this moment. So good pick there. I'll give you a seal of approval for that one. Yes. Um, Jared Kelnick and Brady Singer. Oh, boy. Talk to me about these. <laughs> I I, fig- I figured you would hate the Springer, the, the Singer pick. Yeah. But, so Kelnick, Kelnick is pure upside. Right. I love the floor that my offense has so far. So it's time to swing for the fences, right? Kelnick has all the talents in the world, but he cannot hit a breaking pitch to save his life, which is, you know, the, a tale as old as time for as far as prospects go. His defenders will point to a 24% strikeout rate and a 12% walk rate with three home runs in 58 September plate appearances and, you know, use that as a sign that he's starting to get it together. But he also had a 180 batting average in that span. It was fueled by a 182 BABIP. So, you know, hits and misses, but he, he looked better in September. Is it likely that he figures it all out? Probably not. Hitting baseballs is hard. That You know, he, prospects fail all the time. But if he does figure it out and takes any advantage of all that talent, like you know, there's a reason he was such a highly touted prospect. He could easily be a 30 home run guy. And I, I, I want those really high power guys again to to circle back to the the league environment. I want power potential right now. Right. I mean, it's a question of all right. At this point in the draft, you have two outfielders, so you really only have three positions left. You have two utility in an outfield spot. So I'm all for getting you know chasing upside and all. I also wonder if you can lock in some you know, something, anything here at any point, like you might regret not doing that still. We're not quite at that tipping point of whatever, just throw everything at the wall, I think in the 14th. I mean, a good example of this, there are a lot of starters that are very interesting. Still on the board that I know can help you in your leagues. Um, but uh, Renfro went in this round as well. I'm trying to see if there's some hitters. I'm thinking, oh man, you but have to. Renfro went guy. before. I, yeah, I like I Hanniger, who was I the next him. outfielder off the board. Yeah, I think I might go for Hanniger instead of Kellenick. But I it's something to be thinking about as we get closer to March. I have certainly have not done my full-on analysis of all the hitters yet. I need the full offseason to catch up on all of that. Um, but I don't know if Kellenick is going to be the one. I feel like it's too much of a cross your fingers at this point. Yeah, but to be fair, outfield is also pretty dry at this point. Yeah, you needed a third one. Um, I might, I might just like go with a random guy and just expect to fill it. In season. So I, I do not think that Kelnick will actually be my outfielder in this hypothetical league. That will be my next guy who we will, he will, we will get to. All right. So Brady Singer. I mean, you like Brady Singer for some reason. Uh, tell me why. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to be hurt again. You know, B- baseball is funny. Like every time. I, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Every time I've looked at Singer in the past before his breakout, I've always just thought about that changeup. Like he needs that third pitch. He needs no, to he, develop yeah. the changeup if he wants just to like break out. Glasnow's changeup and Chris Archer's changeup, right? I'll never <laughs> yeah, show Glasnow, up. Yeah. But well, last year in his breakout, he threw his changeup seven percent of the time yeah, and was amazing. Go. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, totally. His breakout <laughs> was fueled entirely strike rate on that changeup. Forty six. Yeah, his breakout was all command. He he was locating his sinker and his slider really well. 
he gets called strikes with the sinker. He gets swings and misses with the slider. Like it's easy peasy. Yeah, that's that's the formula. That's what you, that's how you would draw up that two pitch so, repertoire. So here's the thing, though. I, I I hear you on that about oh no the command was so much better he improved this the sinker same locations as 2021 when Singer had a 491 ERA uh, and 323 was 2022 the main the main thing really is the uh, the slider uh, the slider just performed better uh, higher zone rate at 43 percent um, it it had a bit more swing strike rate, a bit more CSW from 27 to 33. I think that is the main reason for the success, but it's still not that much better. Um, And I I, I still think he's a cherry bomb. I think that, yeah, I'm happy you had more good stretches than bad this time around, but a 3-2-3 ERA with a 114 whip and 24% carry for a full year, I just don't think it's going to happen with him getting two pitches where only really one of them is elite the called strike rate on a sinker? Yes, it is an, an elite 26% called strike rate. I get that. It still gets hit decently hard. It is not uh, it is not that good. And it's so hyper-reliant on getting those whiffs on a slider, which sometimes are there and sometimes aren't. So I'll, I'll play my own devil's advocate here. Not that you haven't Go done ahead. that enough already. Like- <laughs> but you mentioned the the schedules changing next year. He'll, he yes. gets to play the AL Central less. Yeah, that, that that's not going to help him. I, I mentioned that the changeup he throws seven percent of the time. He threw that one percent of the time versus righties, and it was like thirteen or fourteen percent versus lefties. He's using it exclusively as a weapon against opposite-handed right. hitters, which makes sense. Just typical. That's normally what we see from from changeups. Right. Didn't help. He gave yeah, up no. twelve of his eighteen home runs against lefties. So as a two-pitch pitcher without a real weapon against opposite-sided hitters, you know it, it's probably his future success is going to come down to whether uh, once again he can use that change up against lefties and right. so far you know what what's interesting he struck out lefties at a much higher rate <laughs> oh, you wouldn't think so no he gave up more home runs struck out way more batters so he actually wound up with a very similar exit versus lefties and righties which is interesting i don't know uh if that'll hold but uh it was a little interesting to perk of uh you know of his 2022 Oh, that's that's fascinating. I think it's just I just don't know how to feel about Brady Singer for next year. You won't know in April. You won't know in May. They're going to be blow ups. They're going to be not blow ups. And it's just ah, it's just going to be the same thing again. And that's all. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I wouldn't have yeah. minded like if I if I had gone like Reed Detmers or Edward Cabrera here, I would have been happy too. But I, I like Singer. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, moving on to uh, the 16th and 17th round. As uh, Yes, we're going to get very long on this podcast. Uh, you got another closer in Gregory Soto. How do you feel about him? I honestly don't think there's anything to talk about with Greg Soto. He's well, got a right. role. Uh, there you go. Yeah, he's not really. Since, since we're going long, yeah. we can skip Greg Soto. He's a closer. Okay. He's got a job. I don't yeah, think he's going to lose I, I it because they're open stakes. I talk about a lot with closers. Uh, everything's going to be changing with their draft order in uh, in February and March when we have free agents signed and trades and, and spring happens. We understand roles a lot better. Lars, there's like the, dude, the late closers are <laughs> awesome, right? There's there's like there's like half a dozen closers that went after Greg Soto who could finish like top hundred players this year. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many talented middle relievers right Let's now. Refer to and, Alex Fast. Uh, we're drafting saves wrong. Part two. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a much more fun conversation about late relievers that have absolutely nothing to do with the pick i made uh sure. but yeah L- lars Newbar, my yes. possibly the the player that i will talk about most this offseason 
I'm going to make everyone completely sick of him. I'm so ridiculously in on him. I, I literally just bought a, a, an autographed rookie card of his because I'm so obsessed. So oh here's God, a little bit awesome. of trivia, <laughs> a little bit of trivia that is incredibly cherry picked, but also indicative of the skill set that he displayed this year. How many players, Nick, do you think posted a walk rate of at least 14% and a slug slugging percentage of at least 440? One. Well, three. <laughs> and three. is one so, Lars Newport? No, it's just three people that you just want no, to talk about. Yeah, yeah, no, the completely unrelated trivia. No, so it's walk rate of 14%, slugging over 440. Juan Soto, Aaron Judge, Lars Newport. That's pretty hilarious. I love that. Elite, elite company. And I didn't cherry pick that at all. But <laughs> there lies, damn lies in statistics. Uh, so Lars Newport got sent down for a day on july 15th sent down to the miners and from that point forward he had a 16.7 percent walk rate and a 17.1 percent strikeout rate he put up insane plate dis- discipline numbers like for from july forward he put up a 142 wrc plus in spite of a 247 BABIP, and he's not some crazy fly ball hitter that is going to be susceptible to low BABIP stretches he also put up 11 home runs in just 251 plate appearances if you check out his pitcher list page or his baseball savant page or whatever, I promise you're going to be very surprised by how much red you see. He is a very toolsy player. And if the cards are smart with his walk rate, they'll get him in the leadoff spot or the two hole and just leave him there forever. And he'll basically be like a, a stronger Brandon Nimmo, which would be awesome. He actually, and you know, to, to, go back to that he hit first or second in the final nine games of the season so it looks like the cardinals might be on to that uh i yeah that sounds great to me uh i don't i don't know what to make of him i mean again this is a complete upside pick i think at this point uh it does seem like someone who could take this opportunity and run with it uh i'm gonna defer to you here Lars new someone you guys should be considering 17th round you're gonna be hearing schwebsy talk about him the entire offseason so. Also, OBP leagues, major target. Ha! <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, with that, you know, the one, what was it, the sixth best walk rate in the majors last year? Um, it was yeah, stupid, Tre- yeah. Trevor Rogers and Peter Stairbanks are going 18th and 19th round. Do you think that Stairbanks could get the closer role? Uh, I think he's got as good a chance as any Tampa Bay reliever, but he was so incredibly good last year. Like, uh, I did a... I had to pick one player in our last in the deep podcast in like the 250 to 300 range uh, to talk about. And Fairbanks was the guy because it, if Peter Fairbanks was assured of getting like 35 save opportunities, I think he would be like a top five closer, like comfortably. He's he was so incredibly good when he pitched last year. He he gave up a, uh, runs in his first two appearances last year, and then that was it. He did not give up a run for the rest of the year. Wow. He was just wild. Uh, I mean, uh, and then, I mean, yeah, Stairbanks, though, for me is, sorry, Peter Fairbanks, everybody. It's just about if he's going to get the opportunity. The Rays are likely going to Ray, and then he had the injury in his hand during the playoffs, and it's just, uh oh, what are you going to get? That's it, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like he's a lot more interesting than Gregory Soto. I'd rather have Fairbanks than Soto, honestly, from a, from a skills perspective. It's just, you know, Ray's going to Ray. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, Stairbreaks, he was incredible this year. It's it's pretty remarkable. He 
uh, among all reliever start uh, stats, he was best in whip, second in K percentage, third, uh, I'd rather fifth in walk percentage, fifth in ERA. Remarkable, ninety nine on his fastball, on average third in hard contact allowed, like an absolute beast. But this is only twenty four innings, still incredible True. to see. Um, now you have some interesting ones. You have Isaac Paredes and Luis Rangifo. Whoa, 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 whoa! Rangifo. Wait, you you don't want to talk about Trevor Rogers? Oh, I totally forgot. You have Trevor Rogers. In the 18th round, uh, you're taking a chance on this one. Other ones you could have considered were Tarek Skubal, Jameson Tyon, Ronzi Contreras, Tyler Anderson, Tywin Walker. Thank you so much. You almost prevented me talking about starting pitcher for a second. Oh, boy. I, uh, I figured you'd be dying to talk about Trevor I mean, why, why, why are you getting him? Because looking at every pitcher that was taken after him, and even a lot of the pitchers taken before him, I think he's got he, he's he's probably got a higher upside than several of my earlier pitcher t- picks. Like who's got a higher upside, Trevor Rogers or Brady Singer? Uh Trevor Rogers, in my view. Yeah, uh, I, I don't even I don't even think it's really a question. So uh, I feel like I got of I feel like I got a lot of innings. I got a lot of reliable arms who are going to get me a bunch of starts. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go upside here, and I think Trevor Rogers is just a very very high upside arm if he can rediscover like the the changeup and slider that made him so incredibly good in 2021 uh he seemed like he was starting to figure it out in september before he just like laid an egg against washington and hurt his lat sure and you know the lat injury is kind of part of the problem like you know the injuries but if this is his adp i'm going to wind up with a lot of shares because he's you know if, if he can he's only 24 if he can figure out anything that made him so good in 2021 or the first half of 2021 then you know he's going to return so much value out of this spot. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of inclined to go after him a bit. I think he did make some improvements down the stretch. Uh, Trevor Rogers throwing 95 uh, against the Rangers on the 12th of September. It's really a question of if his changeup insider can come back in full. I don't think we've really seen it yet. There was a day you know he had those eight whiffs with his changeup eight for 32 and that Texas start kind of lost it in the very short appearance he had against the Nationals after as he got pulled with that lat injury as you mentioned I I hope we see it and we'll kind of know early on I think if he has control of that change of insider hoping that he gets he sits at 95 with the fastball it is a very good fastball you're gonna see a 315 batting average allowed last year and think oh no it's not very good no I think it's just because the other stuff was not consistent at all that led to guys sitting on that heater more so hopefully Rodgers can find it. Hopefully he can get those strikes with those pitches. Only 50% strike rate on the slider is not good. Only 61%. We want to see a little bit higher on his primary secondary pitch on the changeup. And if he can do that, then I think everything does come together uh, for Jeffrey Springs. Oh my God, Jeffrey Springs. Trevor Rogers. Jesus, I saw changeup. And I just went <laughs> back to Jeffrey Springs as a lefty. Uh, all right. So now actually Isaac Perez. Luis Rengifo, uh, Rengifo, Rengifo. I always mess this one up. He's a Rengifo. Rengifo, thank you. Uh, Bailey Ober and Ranger Suarez, your last four picks. We'll talk about Ober and Suarez in a moment. That's pretty fun to me. But Paredes and Rengifo, tell me about them. So Paredes was a power upside pick. I, I've talked about them a few times. Basically, from the moment he went over from Detroit to Tampa Bay, he started hunting fastballs in a specific area of the plate and destroying them if you look at his uh, uh spray chart the home run, it looks like a reverse dd gregorius where every single home run is to the pole field but 
you know, you might have remembered his insane Homer binge from the middle of the year, but you might not know he also has a 95th percentile chase rate and a huh. 90th percentile whiff rate. The man has is really good at not striking out. He's got an 88th percentile walk rate, 73rd percentile K rate. I'm sorry that I'm just throwing numbers at you guys, but the point is he's got good plate discipline and hit for a ton of power. And he also was 90th percentile outs above average. And you know, the Tampa Bay Rays love them some good defense. Yeah. I think he's should get more than the 380 plate appearances that he got this past year. And, you know, he was, he paced for like 30 home runs over a full season this year. Now they might treat him like a bit of a platoon guy. They, they might not let him hit against righties that much, but he has the profile to be on the field all the time, given his plate discipline and his defense. So, you know, I, I, I took this as a late round home run flyer. Yeah. All right. I mean, he's someone else who doesn't swing a whole lot under 40% swing percentage for, uh, um, Isaac Paredes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, why not? Who knows? It's the 19th round. Who cares? Actually 20th and, Renhifo, uh, talk to me about him, of course, for the Angels. Uh, 17 home runs, 52 RBI, 45 runs, 6 on basis, 264 average. Seems kind of pedestrian here, Schwebs. How dare you? <laughs> uh, there was a point this year, I don't have an exact date, but there was a point where suddenly the Angels were like, we're going to put Renhifo in the top of the lineup in the, or in the middle of the order every single day. And then they did it for the rest of the year. Yeah, and it was because the, he was. It happened uh, around the All-Star break. Uh, then yeah, all of a sudden he was 3-4. And then he was actually the leadoff guy for the final couple of weeks of the year. Yeah. And the reason that they started doing that is because he was scorching the ball. So you mentioned he only had 17 home runs. 12 of them came after July 14th. Mm-hmm. He during that time frame, he hit 271 with 12 home runs and what is this 64 runs plus RBI. So that was over 309 plate appearances. If over a full year he can you know double that, uh, you know over 600 plate appearances, you're talking about one of the better utility guys in baseball. Like if, if he could hit, he's got multi position eligibility, which you know uh, uh, as fantasy players we love. And he's got the very valued middle infield plus corner infield. And if your league accepts five games for a positional eligibility, he's also got outfield. So this is a prime utility guy. You know, not many utility guys can offer you 20 plus home run power. Yeah, and I, I, I understand that one. I, all right, so then last two picks, Bailey Ober, Ranger Suarez. What made you chase these two starters? I'm actually mad at the Ober pick in retrospect. Ha. This I, I I blame this one on not really uh, doing enough really late re, uh, starting pitcher research and not not you know I, I blame the clicky draft ADPs is what I blame. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but why uh, do you hate retrospect that? Uh, he's just he's very meh. The, like if if I had to go into the league with this actual team, uh, I'd be cutting Bailey over almost definitely within like the first month or so, unless he got off to a really hot start. I'd much prefer someone like a Hunter Brown or a Kodai Sango, like someone with more upside, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, then why Ranger, Morris. and then why Ranger Suarez? Oh, you know, I love Ranger Suarez. But why? He, he had, <laughs> but so he, he was an in the deep guy before, uh, before this past year, because uh, I was shouting from the heavens that he should be the closer. And then they made him the closer and he was successful. 
And then they're like, yeah, no, you know what? Starter. And then he was an awesome starter. So I, I was a big fan because he made me look smart for, for a couple months. Uh, and then this year he regressed past where his peripherals were. He, he did exactly what I'm hoping all the guys I talked about today didn't do, don't do. And uh, yeah, he got worse across the board this year. Uh, he lost his changeup at times. Which you know you're you're familiar with. It took it took very, him kind of a couple a couple months with. to <laughs> it took him a couple months to get it together. And what's weird is like he added a couple pitches this year. Like he threw a curveball that he never really threw before. Mm. He threw a cutter that he didn't really throw before. Maybe it was just his slider thrown differently. I don't know. But he threw the cutter and the curve seventeen percent of the time this year, and it, it, he got some interesting results. The curve was getting some whiffs, but. He, like I said, he seemed to lose his bread and butter changeup at times this year. But from July forward, he was a three, three and a half ERA guy. And again, pitches for a great offense. So I, you know, I, I like him as a late round flyer. I, I expect him to be more of a streamer this year, though. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, I love your Bailey Ober pick, and that's getting my seal of approval. Really? Um, and I hate the Ranger Suarez one. I, uh, Suarez 133 whip this year, 20% K rate. Sure, he got 365 ERA. However, you were not starting Suarez in the first half of the year. He really came through finally around yeah, the second half. Uh July 16th onward is when things got better for Ranger Suarez. He found his change up a little bit, was finally avoiding the heart of the plate like he used to. But it's just not enough. He's an absolute Toby, and there's no reason for you to go after this. While Bailey Ober is Bailey Ober Rizzi, I think he's very interesting. His slider got better, moved into about a 20% swing strike rate. We didn't see a whole lot of him, only 56 innings. But that was improvement on the slider, and there were actually days where the slider was legitimate. He had a day of 12 whiffs in the second-to-last start with that slider. And that's not his best pitch. His best pitch is his four-seamers. He throws it upstairs. That's why it's Bailey Ober Rizzi. So if Ober's able to do that, Bailey, if Bailey Ober has that good slider on top of the four-seamer, that could be a legitimate breakout um, in Minnesota. The only question mark is if Minnesota will allow him to go six innings consistently. They don't like throwing their guys the third time to the lineup. It's I think it's stupid. Uh, I don't agree with this, but they do that a lot. So you might not get the high win totals. Only two in his 11 games started this year for Bailey Ober. But uh, I'd still say at the end of your draft, I mean, you're chasing for something that it uh, could be legitimate ERA whip strikeouts. Yeah, Bailey Ober is a really fun one. And you'll understand it quickly. Does he have a slider? Oh, he does, that doesn't have it. All right, you can move on. Then wait until he gets it back. Maybe jump back in. 20th among all starting pitchers in swing strike rate last year, Bailey Ober, with a 14.6%. Yeah, I was looking at his individual pitches, you know, prep, prepare, looking back at my draft and going, why did I pick Bailey Ober? And I was, uh, looking at his individual pitches and I did not come away super impressed with any one pitch. Mm. He looks just, he looks like a control artist. Oh yeah. I wouldn't say that even. I, I mean, his four seamer has a 75% high lock, which is way more than, than average. We're talking about like 65 with Christian Javier or so. Right. Uh, but 20% swing strike rate on the slider is really nice. 67% strike rate. That's good. I will take that 43% O swing. Oof. Changeup, also 70% strike rate. Maybe a little bit too much of the zone. Um, that's why you had a high 323 average for Ober's changeup. But uh, I think maybe that can get better. I don't really care about it, honestly. I just want slider four-seamer from Bailey Ober, and I think that can work. So we'll see how that goes. Just get rid of Ranger Suarez, okay? Cool, thanks. 
<laughs> you know, I feel like it's worth mentioning that the Phillies very obviously viewed him as one of their reliable arms for this playoff. Run. That was something I, else. I, yeah. This, who else were they going to turn to? It was just Ranger Suarez. He was locked in. I mean, that's why he was one, two, three ERA, baby. I know. It was so great. Um, I mean, that's what happened in, in 2021. When he gets into a groove, it's good. But that's a, that's just like a Vargas rule kind of thing. Well, I mean, with your 23rd round pick. All, all you're hoping for is uh, don't draft Sobies, maybe... baby. Get get Sicto Sanchez <laughs> and you and you drop him in March when he's not starting. Oh God, dude, I would never. I you you will not catch me touching Sixto Sanchez this well, year. You don't have to go into your league with him if he's hurt. You know, like you literally yeah. can just drop him before. Like you don't you're not missing anything with Ranger Suarez. There's gonna be someone else. You could have gotten Hunter Brown. See, I think Senga is the one guy that I wish I had. Senga, there but, you but go. For for me, it would have been over 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 instead of over Suarez. There it is. All right, well, that's that's oh man, over and done. Um, we are going to uh, finish up this podcast with, of course, the question I always ask on a scale of one to twenty-three. How would do you feel about this team? Wait, which one's the highest? It's, it's essentially is, is, you give me a point for every pick. Oh, like like oh okay. Uh, I get I give it like a, a seventeen. No, okay. you know what? Fifteen because I'm I'm very unhappy with uh the the way it started and where I focused my early round picks and how it made me scramble for pitching later. Yeah, I mean it's really just this. The, I mean, you could say the Darvish Lindor swap might be the way to do it. Um, yeah, I think I think like Alcantara instead of Lindor for that third pick would have made my draft go much uh, happier. Sure. Something to to consider there. I uh, I mean you don't have a shortstop option for right, but then again you could just do Correa then. I uh, mm-hmm. keep Darvish and that might be kind of cool too. I, uh, but anyway, yeah, I think that's about right. Um, you gave us a lot of good things to think about. I'm going to be looking at new bar a good amount more. Same with Christian Walker as well. Uh, and you're not going to get class A in the fifth round like that again, but I, uh, and Jeffrey Springs in the 13th is pretty dang solid, but Chris, I uh, tell everybody what you do and where to find you. Uh, I do the podcast in the deep for the pitcherless podcast network where my podcast co-host Jordan White and I uh, discuss strictly players after like 250 ADP during the draft season and then rostered in 20% or fewer of leagues during the season. So if you're in a deep league or an AL only, NL only, that kind of thing, we are your guys. All right. Wonderful stuff. I uh, also follow Schwebzy at Schwebzy on Twitter. Uh, you should be doing that. But that's it for this edition of On the Corner. My name is Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.